Welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. I'm Jackie Reed and this is episode four. I'm so happy. <laughs> now, you will hear me if you're listening to this podcast talking as if I am on video and that is because we are video recording this. So if you want to check it out on my YouTube channel, you can do that as well. Same name, Vegan Sexy Cool. So, on today's show, two exciting guests. The first up is actor, writer, comedian, and host, and fellow vegan, Marina Franklin. So she's going to come here and talk about her journey to veganism and just life in general. She has a lot going on. Also, have you been sluttified? Listen, slutty vegan burgers and restaurants, that's pretty much become a household name, right? Well, the brilliant woman behind it, Pinky Cole, is going to be my guest today. Let me tell you something, aside from these delicious burgers, and I have tried the Slutty Vegan Burgers, it's a great variety. This woman, I'm gonna ask her about it, but I just read somewhere, she became a millionaire in six months. From the time that she started with her food truck, now she has two or three restaurants, and she's about to franchise, you do not wanna miss this interview. All right, but first, let's go inside my kitchen. Let me tell you a little bit of what has been going on. If you follow me on social media, you probably know that I have discovered the most delicious version of vegan chili. Before I became a vegan, chili was one of my favorite food items. And I tried to make chili before with Beyond Burger, but let me tell you what happened. So I, when I cook my chili, right, I start with a little bit of olive oil in a big pot. Um, I put in some fresh garlic, some onions, you know, maybe some um, some green bell peppers just to kind of get some flavor going. Then I would add my meat. Used to do beef, then I transitioned to ground turkey, right? That was my thing, ground turkey. So I put my ground turkey in there. I let that cook. I'd season it, make sure that's well seasoned. Then I would open up my cans because I'm not, I'm not doing all this from scratch, right? I'm not making, uh, you know, fresh beans and tomatoes. So cans of kidney beans, uh, cans of, you know, whole tomatoes, that goes in there. I let that kind of stew a little bit and cook and boil. And then I would add my spices, right? All kinds of different spices. And I, I loved my chili. And it was my mom's recipe, so I continued it and loved it. Once I became vegan, I wasn't doing the ground turkey. So I tried to make it with the beyond meat, right? The um, beyond ground meat that's supposed to be like beef. But if you have tasted, and I may have talked about this before, I don't know, if you tasted Beyond Burgers, their meat, it has a very distinct flavor. It has a very strong flavor. Not like Impossible. The thing that I like about the Impossible Burger is it's like a, a blank slate. And you just, with your spices, you create whatever you want. And it tastes different. That's why a lot of different restaurants who have Impossible Burgers on their menu, they do what they want to, and it takes on whatever they create. Beyond Burger... It'll do the same, but you can still taste a very distinct flavoring that will say to you, that, like I could be blindfolded and taste anybody's Beyond Burger, and I would say, that's a Beyond Burger, because it has a very distinct and strong flavor. So when I cooked my chili, my vegan chili for the first time, I did the same steps. So I put the Beyond meat inside the pot with after I put the garlic and the onions and the bell peppers, and I let it cook in there. A mistake because after I added everything else, that Beyond Flavor overpowered everything. And I was like, well, mm -mm, this is not gonna work for me because it, it was too strong. It, it overpowered the chili powder, the everything. It didn't taste like chili, it just tasted like Beyond Meat Soup. 
Um, so I went to an event in Dallas a while ago and they knew I was coming and myself and one other woman was a vegan. There was a few of us that were vegan. So they made this big pot of vegan chili. It was delicious, delicious. So I asked the woman who made it, whose son is vegan, which is why she decided to start for health reasons. Um, she decided to start cooking vegan because she had to for her son. She made the recipe. I hunted her down. I harassed her. She gave me the recipe. And I was like, I will give you credit. I'm going to post it on my website. She was like, girl, I got it off the internet. I was like, okay. So I made it this weekend. I can. I have had it every day since Sunday for lunch and dinner. It is that good. But let me tell you what I did different because she added Beyond Meat to this recipe. What I did was I did the same steps as before, the garlic, the onions, the green peppers. But I cooked the Beyond Meat in a separate pan. I cooked it separately, right? So all those juices, all that flavor that was bursting out, it was all contained in that. So I did everything else. I added my beans, added my tomatoes. And this was a little different. This recipe called for pinto beans and black beans, which I've never put in um, chili before. So I did all that. It's a little different from what I would make. Did my spices and everything. Then when it was all done, then I added my Beyond Meat. That was the secret. <laughs> it was so good. So I'm going to post it on vegansexycool.com so you can taste it. But I promise you, you are going to love this chili recipe. And it is something, and this is what I love about it. It is something that everybody's going to love, whether you're a vegan or not. It is so flavorful and good that if you're going to, you know, you know, some event and you have to bring something, you can take this to a potluck or when you're having people over and you want to do something simple, they will not even know that they're eating vegan, right? So I'm going to post it on vegansexycool.com and check it out and let me know what you think. I also made some muffins. I'm not a baker, okay? Before I became vegan, I made one thing in the oven and that was a pound cake. I perfected it. It was a sour cream. No, not sour cream. Uh, uh, Philadelphia cream cheese. Cream cheese pound cake. That was like my go-to dessert. It was the only dessert. I'm not a big dessert person. So it was what I would make. This week, I made some chia seed brownie, not, not brownies, chia seeds, um, bananas, and cinnamon muffins. Delicious with a little bit of, you know, fresh oats in there. Delicious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that recipe as well. I probably the next time that I'll make it, that I make it, I'm going to add some walnuts and some raisins just to give it a little something. And I'm considering adding a peanut butter icing, a vegan peanut butter icing on top, which will probably like, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know if that makes it like a cupcake. But anyway, I'm going to do that. So that's what is going on in my kitchen. Now let's get to our first guest. So Marina Franklin is a comedian, actor, writer, and host who travels the world performing stand-up. Now you've also seen her in HBO's Crashing, the hit movie Trainwreck, which I loved, uh, Women Who Kill, and more. And her writing credits include HBO's Divorce. Now she is also a podcast host for the critically acclaimed Friends Like Us. Please welcome Marina Franklin. Hi. How are you? Oh, how are you? It's so good to see you, and I'm so glad that you could be on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I feel all of those things. <laughs> yes, right? Sexy, it's something. Yeah. 
so cool. I know. So wait, let's start out talking about your vegan journey because I was so delighted when I bumped into you recently and you were like, you know what, I'm vegan. I don't know how we discovered, how we ended up talking about veganism, but how long have you been vegan? Well, I started last year in February. Mm -hmm. I discussed it with my sister, Ashley. My sister, Ashley, um, she has lupus mm. and her eating habits were not very good. So what I had heard from a lot of my friends, comedian friends like Gina Yashere, who is also had lupus, was that starting a vegan lifestyle really helped her. Hmm. And so I tried to do a challenge with my sister to get her to do it hmm. because I figured if, you know, it was fun, then she would more likely do it. You know, like, yeah, because my sister just couldn't like not eat meat yeah. and I said well let's try to make it fun let's do like a thing like let's let's do like a three-week challenge where we each go on this journey where we're trying to figure out fun foods or good tasty foods or meals or recipes how to make like non you know like vegan food mm -hmm. good and tasty she got into it she was totally like she would like FaceTime me, we had a deeper relationship, actually. We were talking wow. more often about it. Um, she would tell me funny stories about going to parties and avoiding like the <laughs> the buffalo wings at right. the football party and how everyone would make fun of her. And she was coming up with recipes and ideas and Instagram people that she was following, things that I hadn't even thought about. And so that really got me started. Years ago, I was a vegetarian, like in college, way, way, way when there was like nothing for vegans. Mm -hmm. Like when you would go to a party, it was really sad. Yeah. You just like <laughs> ate a lot of pasta. Right. <laughs> you know, my dad would have barbecues and he would just laugh at me and be like, look at it, look at baby over there. She hungry, <laughs> you know? So I did stop then, but I've done it before, hmm. but it just wasn't the right way. Yeah. And so this way was fun because there's so many options out there, so many people you can follow. And I'm still doing it. My sister dropped out. Oh, she did. Yeah. Did it improve her lupus? I think it did. Yeah. But she's, you know, for whatever reason, she's dropped out. I, I'm still doing it, though. Yeah, yeah. I feel it's made me um, more pay more attention to what I'm eating, and I prepare my own meals, which is really important. Yeah. I live in New York City. It's this place where you usually you order food in. Yeah, yeah, right? That's what yeah. people do. So many people, a lot of people just do not cook. It's like, you know, Sex in the City. Sarah, J Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Carrie, kept sweaters in her onion, in her oven. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I used to have books in my uh, cabinet where it's supposed to be plates. Oh, did you really? <laughs> oh, yeah, I had books, nothing but books. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand that, you know, it's a city where it doesn't sleep and apparently it doesn't eat right. Yeah. So yeah. You gotta, like, since I became vegan, I've started to prepare my own meals mm -hmm. and I just pay even cause there's so, there needs to be more vegan restaurants in Harlem, by the way, that deliver. Yes. Because seasoned vegan, I love them. I love my people. But they, uh, it just, it doesn't work. It didn't work out for me when I lived in Harlem. Yeah, it's the only one. It's the only one. Well, there, there's some others that are, that have items on the menu. But yeah, it's the only full vegan restaurant in Harlem. And that is a shame. Yeah, so 
we need more options. But the good thing about that is I'm cooking more and yeah. I make sure that everything that I make, I'm paying, paying attention to the ingredients. What's going on? Don't food. you do that? Like I've never read ingredients like I do now. I pay attention to everything I cook and everything I make. And I try to make sure that my ingredients serve a purpose as often as possible, that they're giving oh. me some kind of benefit. So, and people think that cooking vegan is so hard. Um, how do you find it? Like what kind of things do you make? Well, I don't really cook. <laughs> I said all that and I'm like, I don't really cook that much. Come on, but Marina. <laughs> It's avocado. <laughs> avocado toast day one avocado toast day two avocado toast day three well you know i usually make like a on sundays i take off i don't do anything i don't do comedy i don't i try not to even see people right right so on sundays i make like a bean stew like a black bean stew mm. or soup mm -hmm. um, so i'll just make that for the week and i'll have that with like quinoa or I'll have that with kale. Mm. So actually, it's actually very easy to be vegan because nothing really, um, when you're cooking it, you don't have to worry about like, like meat spoils. So you got to worry about when you, I mean, you do have to use your vegetables like immediately or cook yeah. them within time. But I'm also figuring out all of that, like avocados, for instance. All right. the comments got annoyed with me last night <laughs> because I brought up the whole like, when you put the avocado in the refrigerator, you know, get the <laughs> avocados nice and hard. And then when they start to soft and then you put it in the refrigerator. Right, right. You have to figure out. It's like in the beginning, I would get these avocados. They would, they would get black on me. And then I'd be like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't have avocado toast today. But for me, it is like uh, it's like uh, I eat a lot of kale. I eat a lot soups mm -hmm. lentil soup i do a lot um also what else do i do where do you find your recipes do you kind of come up with things on your own or are you on online going to websites following certain people on social media I, yeah i've started to go online and i've started to like i made my own almond milk mm -hmm. this past week because of the new york times article about the almonds and, yeah. and what they're doing and to the bees i know did you know like the bees go to it's like it's such a sad story they like go to war and then they don't come back <laughs> i tell you being vegan makes you so hyper aware of every living thing on this planet right yes but like almonds are the so everyone is drinking almond milk now yeah so one of the things I've learned is the mass production of almond milk. I've, it's just, you know, so there's problems. Yeah, there's but, like, and there's so many options. There's cashew milk, there's coconut milk, there's my favorite, um, which is oat milk. It's one of my favorite because it, rem it reminds, the consistency is like skim milk or 2% milk, which is what I drank before I went vegan. So it reminds me of that and that is like my go-to. Oat or milk. soy yeah, milk I've for those who a lot about oat milk lately yeah they say almond milk is destroying the planet so now even though i made my own almond milk this guy told me last night yeah but still the almonds and i was like well okay. <laughs> so you know what i say is like you try you yeah. learn and i'm still in really a year a little over a year in so mm -hmm. i'm still learning i'm still like learning new recipes i'm in that 
that stage now where yeah. I'm in and now I've got to commit to some more recipes. So yeah. I don't have enough recipes yet. Yeah. I have to get more. Like right now it's kale, spinach. Um, I make a good spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, zucchini spaghetti. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you like yeah. chili? I ha- I was just talking about a great chili recipe that I'm about to post on my website. Uh, it's so good. Do you do the... um? The substitute meats, do you do Beyond and Impossible and things like that? Where do you stand on that? I I don't really. Mm. I did in the beginning because I was panicking. I was like, where am I going to get my, I need, oh my God, I need something that tastes good. So like everyone was telling me about the Beyond burger and the Beyond meat and all of that. And the problem is it has a lot of sodium. Yeah, it does because it's processed. It's processed. It's still processed. So I have to make sure that when I I make things like that, it's just once in a while. It's not like it's like a quick fix to like maybe being at like a a, a basketball game or a, and everyone's eating and you have an option like that, so you feel like you're a part. But right. I try not to cook with that too often. It's yeah. just it makes me bloated too. I, that's not a good look for the stage. No, it is not. Speaking of the stage, how do you manage being vegan and being on the road as a stand-up comedian? Because you travel a lot. Yes, that is a great question. You know, the thing is, is like a lot of comedians, someone told me recently they quit being vegan as a comic because they would go on the road and just get so disappointed by the food options they had because there was nothing. That's not, be prepared. Yeah. So you bring like your your almonds or your walnuts and you make sunflower seeds or you bring choices that will help you in those situations so you don't panic and eat bad food. Yeah. Also, this is the best part of being a vegan on the road is you get to travel to places and find out. Like I used to sit in my hotel room and that's it and then go to the show. Right. Now is actually a thing where I'm like, okay, I got to find the vegan spot in this town. And that's a, that's actually it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Cuz you meet people on the road that way. You'll go like, so where's a vegan spot I can go to? And they'll tell you. And then you go to the vegan spot and you meet those people there. Yeah. And so you become more social on the road. And then you can tell people when they when other comics go there, there's a really great vegan spot. Yeah. And as a thing as they, they roll their eyes and everything, but they'll go to those spots and they'll say, it was actually really good. Right. And then like, I would imagine you're getting some material from meeting people and really getting to know the area which must be beneficial to your stand-up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I trash being a vegan on stage because it's fun. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll admit to it. Shame but on you. <laughs> I do it in such a fun way. Yeah. And I feel in a way that want to want to be vegan because I say I look good. People mm. think I'm getting laid. I'm not. <laughs> the kale. <laughs> the kale got me looking good. So, um... It, it encourages them because yeah. a lot of people were like, why does your skin look like that? Or what is this glow? You look like you have a spotlight following you around. Yeah. Right now I'm having a hot flash. That's really <laughs> but um, you look like, you know, you got a spotlight. And all you this. do look good. It's the, it's the veggies, man. It's like, it's amazing. Once you change your diet, how you will look. It's and real. feel and feel the energy. Yes. And that's another thing like protein. People think you're not getting enough protein. It's like 
you never thought about protein before. <laughs> Why are you going to try to talk about protein now? All right. of a sudden, it's something important to you. Right. So, I mean, there's some protein is in uh, spinach, yep. baby spinach, a lot of protein. Uh, there's protein in hummus. Yeah. I eat a lot. I eat a lot of hummus. Yeah. You get a good, good type of protein from hummus. Exactly. So there are just... It's just about educating yourself, which I wish we did it more um, in school. I, I do, guess. too. I agree with that. I, I wish we did, too. So how do you deal with, if if at all, any, like, do friends and, um, you know, people that you work with kind of give you a hard time about being vegan? Because um, I find that people are really, sometimes people can be really aggressive about it. Um you know, why are you, why are you giving up meat? That doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even health people like doctors even. Oh yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I go to a doctor, I have a nutritionist. I went to an herbalist last week too. And it was all of the above of like, you need to be happy. Why are you being vegan? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Have you uh, one of the thousand documentaries about meat in our country. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe I could find find a way, another way to be happy. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know why you're telling me this. And I know. And they're like, um, well, everything in moderation, Marina, everything in moderation. I go, of course, but I would prefer just not to eat meat. Right, right. And I, the longer I've done it and the more stories I hear, about what they do to animals it's like it's about a couple things it's not just about me it's about the land it's about yeah. these animals it's about my body yeah all things count yeah and i still be happy and it's my choice so yes. people it, it is interesting they they really lean in with you when you tell right. them this is a choice you're not even telling them this is what you should do they right. ask you you answer them and then they start getting angry. Aggressive. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so I know recently on your podcast, you talked about being diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you that and ask you if, um, you know, where you are in that journey and how veganism is helping you with that journey. Have you changed the way that you're eating as a vegan to help you with that? Yeah, well... I, like I said, I chose this lifestyle because I have nine friends with breast cancer. Mm. Now 10, because someone called me last week. It's wow. like an epidemic. Yeah. And I, I don't have a history of breast cancer in my family. I don't know why I have it. So when I look at these stories about meat and, you know, the use of fertilization in meat products, especially in chicken. Mm -hmm. When I talk to women who come on my podcast who told me things like after they stopped eating chicken after a week, the um, the growth in them decreased in wow. size and the doctors couldn't explain it. When I hear stories like that, I go, okay. Yeah. If let's just take one let's take some things out and just you know, so that I can be a healthier person. Mm -hmm. And why not? Yeah. I mean, I don't look, let's just say this with the person we have in office, reg FDA regulations can't be going smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't trust none of that right you now. Can't go smoothly. Yeah. Okay. 
not a great conversation. <laughs> so I would say it's probably the worst time to eat meat. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. those are the ways that I've, I, I'm reading books about how to not be afraid of cancer. And a lot of them say, stay plant-based, stay plant-based. Yeah. It, it's improved, you know, American diet versus another country's diet. They have statistics that have shown that when people have adopted American diet, more cases of breast cancer happen. Yeah. So I've just do my research. I've changed my diet. I choose to be vegan. Um, you know, it's interesting. I am finding out things like um, soy is actually, it's a big debate right now because yeah. they're saying that soy is actually necessary to help with women who have breast cancer. The problem is, is soy in America processed. Yes. So you can't get it from a restaurant. Don't go to a restaurant gets, you know, like when I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm going to get some soy from the, <laughs> you got to make sure it's organic still yeah. and it's from a good source. So, but where I stand with all of these things is I feel better. Mm. Right. Um, I'm at a stage now, I just finished treatment in October. Mm. Um, I did catch it somewhat early. Oh, good. So I only had to do radiation for three mm -hmm. weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm at a stage now where it's about prevention and I, I get my mammogram next Tuesday, so we'll see. But in yeah. order for those results to come back the way I want, I have to make sure that I listen to everyone who's telling me how to create like an alkaline state in my body, yeah. which is reducing the amount of acid that I eat mm -hmm. and making sure that um, I don't do too much. I don't do any sugar. I try to stay away from sugar mm -hmm. now. I used to do Sundays was my cheat day because remember I'm not around people. Right. So that's I'm, your day. That's my day. Right. But I now decrease my cheat day to just one thing, a dessert. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Yeah. On Sunday, one dessert, not all day. I used to go. Oh, I used to go hard on cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> it was like seasoned vegan and some cake. Because <laughs> they do have good desserts at seasoned oh, vegan. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. And there's sugar in that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, go ahead. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's just yeah. about educating yourself. And I'm still learning. Yeah. So I don't know everything. I'm not an expert, but I am trying. Like, I'll find out something. I'll be like, oh, I thought that was good for you. Oh, I didn't see that in the ingredients. You know, so I just pay attention. I look at the labels. Yeah. What's your, um, I know you were talking about different doctors. What's your oncologist say? Because I interviewed this woman about a year ago and her profile is on my, on vegansexycool.com. Her name is Donna Goodman Green or Donna Green Goodman. I always get it mixed up. But years ago, 20 something years ago, she was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer and they gave her two to five years to live. And she went plant-based and wanted to do a whole a entire holistic treatment. Her doctors wanted her to have chemo radiation and stem cell. She mm. said no to the chemo, no to the stem cell. And she said she did radiation for about a week, but it really did not agree with her body. And so she had to stop. She went to some facility in upstate, uh, like in North Georgia. And she said she was there for like 10 days and they, you know, a lot of vitamin D, a lot of water therapy um, and uh, a vegan diet. 
And since then, I mean, 20 plus years later, she's working in the African-American community, trying to teach. Um, she and her husband work together. He's a physical therapist and they teach people how to, you know, reverse and prevent cancer, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, all these things. And she has all these great recipes on her website and everything. So, but she said her doctors were mad at her when she came to them okay. and was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. How have your doctors responded specifically your oncologist? Yeah, they really don't. It's, it's my, I have a good oncologist now, mm -hmm. but that's because I had to really pay attention to how the doctors were listening to me. Hmm. So the couple of doctors I had before, the one I have now, did not treat me like a real person. Oh, they sort of wow. had a God complex that I didn't like. Hmm. Um, so when you have breast cancer, you have a team, you have like a surgeon who does the operation and then you have an oncologist who's really that follows you around and gives you the medication after the surgery and follows you and makes sure that cancer doesn't return. And then you have an oncologist for your treatment. So that person is separate. My surgeon was great. Um, she was a black woman. I felt it was necessary to have someone that looked like me, hmm. that talked to me, and that I also, across the board, like, I mean, I, I always paid attention to the staff and how they responded to the doctors I would mention. So, a lot of times I would go there and if I mentioned the doctor and there was a little bit of like eye rolling or just like a coldness, I was like, I think I need a new doctor. <laughs> Good if for I, you. Yeah. But um, her name, the one I had, she's now at Bellevue. She was at Presbyterian, but she's now at Bellevue. Catherine Joseph, black woman, head surgeon over there. She's working with people who really need her, you know, because Bellevue works with people, low income, a lot of high risk, you know, communities and she's doing the work and she knows the information but she I went to her after leaving a doctor that I just really didn't feel I was asking him questions like what is the latest in lumpectomy do you use um they have a new way of surgery they used to use they use wires mm -hmm. and now they actually have a new process of finding the cancer and taking it out without using the wires. The wires, you have to sit in the hospital the whole day. Hmm. Um, I forget the name of um, the thing. It's called a savvy clip. Okay. Savvy clip is a new way um, with lumpectomies so that you can have the savvy clip put in a year earlier and then go into surgery a year later. And they'd be like, oh, where's that savvy clip? Oh, there mm -hmm. it is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. So he knew about this, whereas he didn't. But when I asked him about it, he seemed to get defensive. Whenever mm. it's defensive, bye-bye. Yeah. If you can't ask your doctor questions without them getting defensive, it's yeah. just not good. I also noticed that she was, you know, Catherine Joseph, she was willing to answer all my questions. I could reach her through email, record her, because I had a problem with getting all of this information. Yeah. And it's scary. And if you don't have someone that can go in the room with you, record it, mm -hmm. listen that later and so because you may have a problem with retaining you know i noticed i would ask the same question a question and she had answered it like five minutes ago because i wasn't really listening mm -hmm. so this is why i knew i was like oh it's so good that i'm recording yeah my oncologist now um because i went to presbyterian for everything else um is 
amazing. And he listens to me. Mm -hmm. This is the thing. I got a referral from a friend and he just treated me like a human being. That's the most important. And when I said to him, because they, they, after you do radiation, they want you to take a pill um, when you have a certain type of cancer. Mm -hmm. So mine mm -hmm. is ERPR positive, HER2 negative, which is good for me because I have a higher chance of it not returning. Mm. But there is a way of treatment, which is they give you a pill, a hormonal therapy, and it's called tamoxifen. Mm -hmm. A lot of women do not respond well to that treatment. And like your friend, a lot of women say, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Now, when I told him, one, I did not want to do chemo because they will throw chemo at you. He said, okay, well, let's make sure your cancer is not returning. There's a test they give you. It's called an oncotype test. Mm -hmm. That's fairly new. Some people don't know about it, but it's as a patient, you should know about it in early stage. It'll let you know a number score, how likely it's to return. Mine was very low. So he could go, you're right. You don't have to do chemo. Right. That took six months. Wow. From the surgery. Let's see. Wait, let me make sure. July, August, September. Okay, for July, June, July, August, September, October. Yeah, five, five months. Mm -hmm. We get to that point. Wow. Where they could say, okay. But that's all because I was paying attention. I was communicating with my doctor. I was recording. And I was like making it clear. And then he said, okay, you can't. Now, with the tamoxifen pill, tamoxifen pill, he's not that willing to but and so he's kind of nervous mm -hmm. so modern medicine won't their oath is they have to give you the treatment that they're trained to give you yeah but what i like about my doctor is he's heard my fear about that pill that fear that pill pushes you into what's called menopause mm. and a lot of women after that pill Some women are not told that. Hmm. Now, after I heard that, I was Wait, like, repeat oh. that, Marina, because you um, you froze up a little bit. You said a lot of women are, are told are, are not told what repeat that. Yeah. A lot of women are told that when they take tamoxifen, they cannot get pregnant. Hmm. And it may take years, maybe never afterwards in order to have children. Hmm. A lot of women are not told that because the doctor's only job is to treat you. Right. They're not supposed to tell you everything. Mm -hmm. So I had to, so many friends who told me about that pill. And then I had other friends who said, listen, take the pill. It didn't do the same thing to me. I really don't want you to risk it. So this is where I'm at, right? My doctor said to me, okay, we're going to work with each other. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to take the pill until the spring. I've seen a study that says a woman who didn't take that pill for two years, she's still fine. I go, oh, he goes, no, I don't, I don't want you to wait two years. I want you to take this pill in the spring, but I'm going to let you do all your work and research until that time. That's someone who's listening to me. Yeah. That's a doctor who's like, and I said, 
Well, I, I went to a nutritionist who told me his mother didn't do chemo and she's alive. She's 90 something years old. She never took a pill. She just had the lumpectomy and that was it. He goes, well, we don't want to take that chance, mm. but I'll send you to my herbalist who we've heard. No, he said, I know I've had patients come to me. Cancer is gone. Mm. Now, I don't know a lot of doctors that would do that. Yeah, because a lot of doctors, you know, it's it's America. You They're know. tied into the pharmaceuticals. Yeah, they've got those relationships. But, but they also is just America and medicine. We, mm -hmm. You know, like the herbalist, he's from China. Yeah, it's Eastern medicine. Eastern medicine. Yeah. And, and, and that is necessary. Like mm -hmm. people who believe in Eastern medicine, they're smart. You know, you have to have options. You got to look for options. So what I like about my doctors, he's integrative without realizing he's integrative. I love that. Yeah. So I just like the fact that he listened to me. Mm -hmm. He also gave me a referral to someone in Eastern Medicine. So we're working together. And Good. most likely, I, even though he may uh, still want me to take tamoxifen, I probably will not take tamoxifen. And he'll mm -hmm. just have to be but, you know, I can talk to him. Yeah, that's good. You're a great patient. I love that. Well, I listen, you got to come back because we have so many other things to talk about. But I'm glad that you are doing well and I'm glad yeah. you're taking control um, of your health um, you when it comes to. to everything. You really do have to. And where can people find you, Marina, to find out where you're performing and all of those things? So you can find me on my website marinafranklin.com and I perform mostly in New York City but on my website you can see where I'm performing next marinafranklin.com you can also see my special single black female which is available on it's on all platforms but you can especially if you're an Amazon Prime member you can stream it there for free oh and definitely check out my podcast friends yes. like us which features women of color with different views on topics. And we also have once a month, we'll have a white, you know, like a period. So. <laughs> or a man, we'll have once a month, we'll have a man like a period. Just I once love a month. it, I love it. <laughs> Marina, thank you so much. Cool. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. is Pinky Cole. She is the owner of the crazy popular restaurant and brand known as Slutty Vegan. Now she began with a food truck and after some significant celebrity endorsements on social media, such as Snoop Dogg, Tyler Perry, Iyana Van Zandt, Taraji P. Henson, the list goes on and on, Jermaine Dupree. It's a long list of folks. Um, you know, people who were getting slutified, as they call it. I have been slutified, I'm happy to say. Her business really began booming. And soon, Pinky opened her first brick-and-mortar restaurant. And soon after that, a second. I think she has a third. I can't keep up. I'll have to ask you, Pinky. But without further ado, Pinky Cole, known as the Slutty Vegan, how are you doing? I am doing beyond well. So well that I can't put it into words. So wait, how many you know, restaurants do you have now, including the truck? So, so far I have three locations and two food trucks, oh, but we are on schedule. Yes, we are on schedule 
to open up about 13 locations in the next two and a half years. How do you manage all of this? I don't know. <laughs> Art, do you um, have a twin? Um, no, I don't have a twin, but I got a village. And when I say village, I have people who really are committed to helping me grow this brand. Mm -hmm. And so just to give you a little backstory, when I started Slutty Vegan, I was not thinking big enough. Hmm. I just wanted this to be a ghost concept where this would be a solution to my problem. And my problem was, you know, I couldn't find vegan options in Atlanta that I wanted after eight o'clock. <laughs> and because I'm an idea machine, I really thought about the idea and it hit me like a light bulb. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have like a full structure. I just had this really good idea that I maximized on. And now I look back a year and a half later, literally this is probably one of the hottest concepts in the country right now. Yeah. Um, we just closed in on our first round of investment. Um, and to be able to scale in this way as a black owned woman owned business is just major. It's beyond me. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so excited about everything that is to come for you because I remember talking to you was it, it, it's been a, like a long time when you just had the food truck and then I had not even tasted your burgers, but everybody was talking about it and there were lines yeah. at this food truck. When did you know, okay, so this was a concept. How did this, how was this birth? Like how did this, because for people who want to, I, I've met a lot of people who are interested in having businesses in the whole vegan industry. So for you, how did this go from idea to just a food truck? So I, get, so I was a casting director for a show called Fix My Life um, on the O Network. And they asked if I could come to Atlanta to just be on the ground. You know how it works on TV. They yeah. just sometimes need people on the ground. So prior to coming to Atlanta, I really got into alignment. So like I was working out every day. Mm -hmm. I was running every day. I was reading every day. And I didn't know what I was preparing for, but I'm like, God, you got something big. I don't know what it is because I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I'm supposed to be doing something big. And I'm supposed to be making change in the world. And I knew that and I felt that. And I've always felt that my entire life. So when I got to Atlanta, I was sitting in my bedroom and I was just thinking about a whole bunch of ideas. And usually I'm an idea machine, Jackie. Right. Like I can, I can say 10,000 ideas and share them with anybody and say, hey, do what you will with it. Yeah. But Slutty Vegan was so special because when it hit me, I didn't want to share it. Mm. And I was just like, oh, this is different. Yeah. And the name was intentional because I knew that it would spark conversation. I knew that it was racy. I knew that maybe people would say it was provocative, but I did it on purpose because I wanted people to pay attention to vegan food. Now that I know that it was going to be so many people that paid attention, <laughs> absolutely not, but they did. And you know, this is a full circle moment because it was because of you that I actually had my first national interview oh. about Slutty Vegan. And that was with you and the Tom during the morning show. So I want to say thank you oh, because you really helped to jumpstart the, the tremendous growth of this business. And I look back and see it full circle and that just feels real good. Listen, I'm just happy that you're doing what you're doing. And I'm just excited for everybody that I can let know. You know what I mean? At the time, now everybody knows. Now it's a household name. Yes. But at the time, I wanted everybody to know about it because I was so yes. excited 
about you, what you were doing, but thank you for for that, that, you know, for saying that. But let me ask you, social media also played a big part of your growth. And I know you majored in marketing at Clark Atlanta University. Shout out <laughs> to CAU. <laughs> um, so you kind of have a marketing genius brain going on too. I mean, this is, you know, I have to say, you didn't just have a good idea because a lot of people have that and you did have a great idea. But you also are a mastermind at marketing, ma'am. <laughs> you just are. There's no denying. And half the time, listen, Jackie, half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. It just works. <laughs> but but what I'm learning along the way is that this plan was already written for me. Mm-hmm. Like everything that I'm doing, the ideas that I'm coming up with, the story was already there. Yeah. I'm just really executing what was already written. So the benefit that I had, that advantage that I had, is working in TV. I've been working in the television industry for years. I was yeah. a producer for the Morning Show for three years. So I know what people want to see. I know what's going to spark their interest. Yeah. I know what's going to make them change the channel. You know what I mean? So I merged both of those worlds with the most pleasurable experiences, and that's sex and food. And when you merge those worlds, <laughs> you get a formula for success. It's the truth, right? Yeah. You, you know, people... You know, we love sex and we love food, and and that's just factual information. Yep. So if you can really merge, <laughs> if you can merge both of those worlds and create an experience where you infuse teaching and education with it, then it's a win-win and it's a recipe for success. And as it relates to social media, like literally, that is the best free resource that any entrepreneur can have because I just created a page and said that I wanted to have a pattern on my page. I wanted to offer information. I wanted to make people proud and I wanted to make people laugh. And we do that every single day. And I have not wavered since. And up until today, we have never spent a dollar on marketing. Everything has been grassroots. I ain't paid not a dollar. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Not one dollar on marketing. Everything that we've done, it's all been free. We've used social media. We've utilized all the free resources. We've utilized all our relationships. And I think that entrepreneurs who are listening to this can really take a note or two that you don't need all this money to start a business. Mm -hmm. As long as you have a powerful product, you got a powerful story, people will really buy into what you have. And it doesn't require for you to have a whole lot of money to do that. Uh, that, that is great advice, Pinky. Now, for a lot of people out there, um, you know, a lot of people have been slutified, uh, myself included, which is after you have anything from Slutty Vegan, you have been slutified. And a lot of celebrities have given their testimony on your social media about being slutified. Yeah. But who would you like to be slutified? Who has not had the Slutty Vegan experience yet that you would love to get your burger to? Let me tell you something. I will climb the ladder and steps to heaven <laughs> if Oprah walks through the doors right. and say that she wants to start vegan. <laughs> she is on my wish list. Yeah. And I want Oprah because and can I be totally transparent? Yes. Oprah is the symbolic essence of black and white. Mm. And let me break that down. Hmm. So black people love her. White people love her, yeah. and everybody in between loves Oprah. Mm-hmm. So you don't see color when you see Oprah. You just see this powerful force yeah. of a woman who has made so many innovative changes in the world, so many philanthropic changes in the world. She's done so many things in the world, and people know, love, and respect her. Mm-hmm. So to get somebody like that to support my brand and to endorse it in a way like that, 
will really set us aside from a lot of other businesses as a small owned business and show that it doesn't matter what you look like. You could be black, white, blue, yellow. I don't care about that. As long as you come to my restaurant, you're coming in the name of food. Yeah. You're going to come and you're going to have a great experience and you're going to leave with the food, but that experience is going to last you a lifetime. And Oprah would be that perfect person to really merge those worlds and merge that gap. Girl, I'm going to lay hands on the computer that Oprah okay, is going to reach Oprah. <laughs> and she's going to put yes. you on her list of favorite things for 2020. Yes. That would Listen, be amazing. That is the intention. And I believe it. Let me tell you something. There is nothing too big for my God. The things that I witnessed in my business, the things that I've seen, I, I could only dream of things like this. Like, yeah. I would have never imagined. So nothing is unrealistic at this point. So us even having a conversation about Oprah, yeah. that is very well possible. And I'm believing in that, that that's going to happen. Listen, with everything that you have accomplished thus far, it is very real that it could happen. It may happen, you know, before the end of this month. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I agree. Now, I read somewhere, but it wasn't a direct quote from you. So correct me if I'm wrong. Are you franchising? So we are franchising, but we're going to do it in about three years. Okay. So I got this philosophy, Jackie, that my business, this is my dream. Mm -hmm. This is not a job for me, mm -hmm. right? So this is my dream realized. So I don't care about the money. The money is going to come. Mm -hmm. So I could easily franchise the business. We get about 20 to 30 requests every single day. But I know the intention and I know the long-term play that I want to make happen in my business. And in order to be able to franchise, I got to make sure that the systems, the processes and procedures, and just that brand identity and that cultural experience is sound. And as long as that's sound, then I can franchise. But for now, we're operating fully corporate and it feels good to know that we can grow and build. Every single day I learn something new in business. Yeah. Like, I don't consider myself a restaurateur. I'm just somebody that had a really great idea um, that built on the idea and it worked, right? Yeah. So every day there's challenges, but with those challenges, we learn from those challenges. And I want to make sure that we are truly sound as a business before we hand the baby over because it truly is a baby. Yeah. Like right now, the baby is in the terrible tune phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the baby, the baby is in the terrible tune phase, crying all the time. Right. But you love that baby, yeah. you know, and, and a village comes through to support that baby. And whenever you need some help, you got your village right there. So I'm really focused on that right now. And eventually in about three years, we'll franchise. Well, I, I want to focus on, and, and that's great news. I'm glad that you're doing that. And I'm glad you're doing it at your own pace and that you're not going too fast yeah. with that. But something that I do want to point out and let people know in case that they don't is that you're also taking the time to give back. Please share um, what you did with for a group of Clark Atlanta U University students. Yes. So, um, Slutty Vegan, we do a lot of give backs, right? Um, and I learned that, just to be clear, I learned that from my mom. My mom mm. was an immigrant in this country, and she would bring other Jamaicans from Jamaica to stay at my house who had nowhere to go. So mm. I grew up seeing a woman be so selfless and help other people. I've seen that. So that felt good seeing that. So as an adult, it is my duty, like it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm always giving back. And what better way to do it than to do it through my business? Mm -hmm. So my colleague and I, we took 30 students from Clark Atlanta University and we paid off their school balances so that they can graduate. And when I tell you that was success to me, yeah, right? That is what success looks like to yeah. me, where you can do well in your business 
and you have enough resources to support and help somebody else. That feels the best. When I say it's the best feeling in the world for me to be able to really do something like that. Um, and those kids were happy. Like we really helped to support them and focusing on their education so that they didn't have to worry about money. Yeah. Like if they don't have to worry about money, then, you know, everything else, they can focus on being great. They can focus on being leaders. They can be fo- focused on graduating. They don't have to focus on the little things. So, yes. yeah, that's so good. Student debt can definitely be a barrier to success for so many people trying to start out. And even, you know, years after graduating, it can just yes. stick with you for so long. So I do want to ask you about your formative years. Um, you know, I, I was reading about your father being uh, sentenced to life. You know, I think the day you were born mm-hmm. or close to when you were born. But I never hear you talk about that. I never hear you yeah. talk about your story as, you know, being, you know, uh, t- a t- I never hear you talk about tough beginnings. You're always so positive and so focused and so driven. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, how do you see those early years of your life? Was it a struggle? So it just depends on how we describe struggle, right? Because everything in life for me is a lesson learned. And I am very, I'm intentionally positive. Like I have hard days, right? Mm -hmm. I'm human. I have days where I want to cry sometimes. I have days where they don't look like how I want it to look. Mm -hmm. But I realize that there's something that I always can learn from this. What, What am I learning from this? So I'm so grateful for the universe for birthing me into the world of, a circumstance. And what my circumstance was is my father was being sentenced to prison the day that I was born. The circumstance is my mother, the circumstance was my mother working four jobs every single day to make sure that the lights were always on, that the food was always on the table, that we always had all the things that we needed, not wanted, but needed. Mm -hmm. So it taught me how to hustle. It taught me how to be a survivor and it taught me not to beg, borrow or steal from anybody. So to somebody else, it may have looked like a struggle, but that was like the best schooling that I could have ever gotten in my life. Because now as an adult woman, I look back at all of the things that I did have and the things that I didn't have. And it worked out in my favor tremendously because it shaped me to be the businesswoman, the woman, the sister and the friend that I am today. Like my dad, was in federal prison and he used to tell me to read books while he was behind bars. Mm. Like he would tell me about business and trading behind bars. So while he was not physically there, he was always there to support me, help me grow and giving me advice about being a business owner and being an entrepreneur. Like I am my father's child. Now he did it illegally, (laughs) but I took the legal route, but I learned so much from him. But I think that that is what helped and shape me to grow yeah. because otherwise my story would have been different. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have been having this conversation with you because I would have had everything that I needed from my dad and I probably wouldn't have versed slutty vegan. So I needed my journey to happen the way that it did, the way that it did. And yes, we've endured some struggles, but those struggles only made me stronger. Yeah. I envision you pinky having the same conversation with Oprah in the very near future. I can just, I'm ready. I can feel it. (laughs) Well, listen, I know you are so busy, but I appreciate you for taking the time to be on the vegan sexy cool podcast. I really do love everything that you're doing. I love you as a person. I really do. I think you're just an incredible human being, not just the business, just who you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much.
All right. Well, get out there, and because I know oh. there are lines around buildings. There's <laughs> you actually and these a line lines. down the street right now. <laughs> Girl, you and these lines. Well, I will be in Atlanta yes. soon, and hopefully, I don't have to wait in line. I'm hoping. You you will never have to wait. Okay, <laughs> ever have to wait a lot. <laughs> All right, Pinky Cole. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. See you soon. All right. And everybody should follow you at Slutty Vegan everywhere, right? On social media. Slutty Vegan, Slutty Vegan ATL on all social channels. SluttyVeganATL.com. Or you can come to the restaurant. We locate in Atlanta. Just say Slutty Vegan. Somebody's going to point you in the direction. <laughs> I know. That's right. Okay, sis. Thank you so much. Love thank you. you. See you soon. Okay, honey. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for listening to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. And thank you to my guests, Marina Franklin and Pinky Cole of The Slutty Vegan. Be sure to follow them on their social media. Go to Marina's uh, website. They gave you that information. And let's support, support, support these amazing vegan women out there doing wonderful things. And of course, please follow me on at Vegan Sexy Cool on all social media platforms and Go and check out vegansexycool.com. That chili recipe is there. You're going to love it. Tell me what you think about it. Give me some comments. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what kind of guests you'd love to have on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast in the future and just some information that you want to know more about. Until next time, everybody, I'm Jackie Reed wishing you wellness.